0: Reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. I just want to pray for this time we're about to have now. Father, we thank You for Your presence in that worship. We thank You for the privilege of coming into Your throne room to worship You. We thank you for what you say about us, for the way you think about us. We are so privileged to be your sons and daughters. I ask that this presence of your spirit would remain as, uh, as we look at your story and as we, we see um, what the gift that you want to give us this morning. In your name, Jesus, amen. So it's uh, been a few weeks since we've been on um, the subject of rest. Do y'all remember we're in a series on rest? Good, good. (laughs) Hadn't forgot. Um, We're going to continue. I've got more on rest this morning. And in fact, this morning, we're going to look at um, one of the scriptures that, um, and I say one of, because I just can't nail it on a life verse or life passage, but it's probably the closest thing to my life passage that, it seems like every time I go to it, um, I see brand new. I see revelation that blows me away, and I've, it doesn't matter how many hundreds of times he takes me there. So we're going there, but just to, just to get us back into rest again and where we were. Um, I just want to remind what, um, where we've been walking up to this point is taking a look at that rest is not just um, something that we do. It's not just something that's important to God. But we've been looking at it's actually core to his nature, right? So when he calls out a chosen people, us, sons and daughters and in the story that a lot of the story that we're going to read this morning his people Israel that were grafted into when he calls out a people he says you are a people of rest not you're not you're a people who have something or, or are <laughs> as if this makes sense you can work hard enough to to get you some rest that's that doesn't even make sense right but you are a people of rest because you're you're the sons and daughters of the king you're of the royal family and the royal family is not slaves right slaves don't get rest free people get rest and he's ever freeing us so you know that you as you sit there this morning you have rest why can i say that he's freed you from some things hasn't he and is he still freeing you you've got some more things to be freed from so there is a deeper rest Coming for you, ever coming for you. There's deeper rest. It's core to God. It's not just a characteristic over here, it's part of who He is. Yes? He is a God of rest. Now, something that I see that that happens, we get the wrong idea um, about the rhythm of life. Now, I know you've all heard this. I'm pretty sure I've I've heard more than one and probably multiple messages where we look at Jesus, we look at the life of Jesus, and we like to talk about the rhythm we like to talk about he he went into the work of the ministry, and I hope you think of your life as a ministry, um, not just formal ministries and but your life is a ministry. <laughs> you are a minister of God, so your life is a ministry and we look at we look at Jesus and he, he steps out in the work of the ministry, right, and then we say, and then he retreats. To a private place to rest, well, let me just tell you that it bothered me so so much this week as I prayed over and began to prepare for this message that um, we have that wrong, and let me tell you how we have that wrong it, it, you know that it doesn 't actually say he retreated to rest, it says he retreated to pray <laughs> it says he retreated to have intimacy or to be alone with his father. now, why is that so important because I'm going to tell you, it's not a rhythm of work and rest. It's a it's a rhythm of private intimacy and, and the outpouring of his power or his work out here and then private intimacy. Why is that so important? That's so important because um, we don't go off to rest. We go back to restore our rest. Are you tracking with me? Rest is something that we that we have, that we get from God. it's some as, as it is core to Him, He means for it to be core to us and we, we retreat into intimacy in order to have the rest that we take with us when we go back out. We don't leave the rest behind <laughs> at the place of rest and then go out and work where he means for us to be a people of rest so when we leave that place of intimacy and we go out and we go out and we do all the, the call and the callings and the marvelous things he has called into your days for you to, to share in his glory and give glory to him we go with rest am I doing okay okay All right, and that's not even what we're looking at. I mean, kind of it is, but um, I felt like we had to start there because um, we really get that wrong. I mean, I think we think, um, boy, I I need a weekend to refill so I can get back to work for, you know, the glory of God. Or um, I really need that vacation. Now, take the weekend and take the vacation. That's important, too. I just want to tell you, when the Word of God talks about rest, it's not... It's talking about something far deeper and um, far more central to your powerful life as a son of God than leisure. <laughs> Leisure's important. I, I mean, I'm, I don't think we can enter the deeper rest without the leisure. So don't, th- that's not what I'm saying. Don't throw that away. It's just the word of God is talking about something far deeper. Rest. Is, some, is, is the character of God that rests in faith, that rests in who God is, and so therefore we're powerful. So open your Bibles with me to um, Exodus 33. And before I get to that life passage thing I was talking about, I'm just going um, to set some context here. Um, I'm going to start in verse 12, and this, if I'm not mistaken, this was the first verse that we started with when I began this series, like uh, six or seven messages ago or so, and it's, yes, it is 31, thank you, 31, what'd I say, 33, sorry about that. 31, 31.12 is well where we'll start. It begins talking about Sabbath, and then the Lord showed me something I, I never saw before in the next verse. So in, by the time we get to 18. So I'll just start reading. Verse 12 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations." It's a sign that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So you see that, first of all, I'm just going to, I'm going to try not to get stuck here, but but grab with me. It's so core to who he is, just as review here, that it's a sign. Doing this Sabbath thing, which really is just a picture of the deeper thing. The Sabbath really is a day off. (laughs) And of course, there's intimacy to be had, to be sought, in that day off, but we're really, we're talking about the Sabbath here, and it is a sign between him and the generations of the chosen people. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. Now, I just want to remind you, I've said this so many times during the series, I'm going to say it again, that still is the penalty. (laughs) That, that didn't end. It is that if we're not in the rest of God, then you are in the process of dying in that area. What's not at rest is in the process of dying because the Word of God says that the penalty for not entering the rest is death. They died in the wilderness when they didn't enter the rest. It's still true. For it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord, so dedicated to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath, wait. I might be reading this wrong. I feel like I'm repeating, but whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. Now listen, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. Now notice with me that it says, it doesn't say it's part of the covenant or part of a covenant. It's literally saying it is a covenant. Isn't that crazy? I dare you to meditate on that. <laughs> it's, it is it is. It is a covenant in and of itself. It says, it says that it's through the generations, it's a perpetual covenant. It goes on again to say, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in the six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. In other words, you see, you see a pattern. He never asks you to do anything that is not true of him. That's not of his character. Or to enter into something that is not of his. That's that last line. Now here's, here's the thing he hit me with. It looks like a subject change. You go on to verse 18 and it says, And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony. Notice he calls it tablets of the testimony. Y'all know what that is? It's the law, right? Right? Tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Now I'm going to show you something. Literally, immediately after talking about this rest that's, that's core to God, it begins to talk about the law. And in this case, literally, the tablets that are written with the finger of God. Now I'm going to show you what's going on here. Go to uh, skip forward a chapter to 32 and verse 15. I'm going to hit some scriptures quickly in order to, to get into what I'm supposed to say. 32, verse 15. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, on the one side, and on the other, they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. So a couple of things I've just got to hit here. Um, Usually if if we had more folks here this morning, I could do the who's an elk hunter thing. But if you've ever packed an animal after harvest off of the mountain. See, what you've got to imagine is he got these tablets from the Lord on top of the mountain, right? And I looked it up. I'm like, is there any possible way we can find out like how big they were? That I don't know if it's true or accurate. The Talmud tells us that they're 10 inches by 20 inches. So these are slabs that he had to pack down the mountain. The other thing I want you to notice at this point is that Imagine what this is, and this is going to become critical in a minute. The word of God is adamant in more than one place. I think we're going to read another one, that it is literally carved with God's glory, with his very own finger. So, I mean, it's not like, yeah, I'm here this morning with my Bible, and it was printed with, you know, 5,000 other ones. What? He's literally holding something. I can't even imagine. He's literally holding something made with God's finger and God's glory, and, and he's been tasked with taking it down the mountain to the people. Okay? We're tracking so far. Now, go with me to Exodus 32, same chapter. Actually, just go a few more verses to 19. And it says, So it was, as soon as he came near the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. So what's he doing? He's coming down. He, he just received the law in the glory of God. He's coming down the mountain, and he finds um, the people have issues. <laughs> they are, they are full-on engaged in idolatry, and they've said, um, boy, they've gotten impatient. They've said, Moses has been up there too long. Um, we can't wait for him any longer, but we're going to need a God to go before us. So they fashion a golden calf, and we'll have the golden calf lead us for now on. And Moses comes down to find this. Now remember, he's just been, he's been working his hind end off bringing these tablets down a mountain. <laughs> you got you to gotta get a load of the reality or you really don't catch this story. It's not like he was just taking a walk through the park. He's coming off of Mount Sinai with these tablets and this is what he found. And, he, and it says, So Moses' anger became hot and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. now do your best to join with me for just a minute and and actually think this is a real man that you can relate with if you stop and do it for a minute (laughs) he brings these tablets not just anything these things made in God's glory okay and in anger because the people have issues he throws them at the foot of the mountains and he breaks them those tablets now I know like when I was a kid we had my brother and I used the basement as a hockey rink. And it was a, you know, a foot foot hockey with a plastic puck and everything. And you had two sides. One side was finished that had nice things, some of my mom's vases and there were my dad's bowling trophies and stuff like that would be on the one side and the other side was the tournament hockey rink. I mean, we went for it down there. But when an errant puck would fly off and catch a bowling trophy, or a vase, you know, we would do the whole thing like, oh, net, like we'd be like, I don't think we have to say anything. I think we can glue it back together and they'd do the whole, the, the tournament would be timeout, hockey stops, right? But I just want you to notice, he just threw down in anger and broke these, te- something that was etched <laughs> with the glory of God's finger. This wasn't just like a vase. He's not performing very well given what he's dealing with with the people. <laughs> one more, and see what I'm doing right now, I'm laying context because we're about to see something. I think we miss it. When we don't relate with him like a real guy and see the context when he's saying something, then we totally miss it. And my, my life passage or one of them that we're about to get to, I think... I've known it was powerful and it's been so guiding in my life, but I don't think I ever really, really put it in context before. And it's amazing what happens when you do. So go to, are we in the same chapter? Go to 33 verse 7. Small skip here. Now he's back at the camp. The tablets are broken, okay? And let me just point out, God is going to replace them. Y'all know that part of the story. How many of you thank God when God gives you something to carry and you break it? <laughs> I've done that, huh? Lots of times. He can replace it. But he's not made that offer yet. Moses broke them. What must that have felt like? <laughs> Do you think he had a moment where he went like, I have a feeling, I mean, he's, he's having a temper tantrum, is he not? He throws these down and did he go, Oops. I I, bet, I think he did, personally, when I read it, um, more than the vase. He went, oops. But he's not done yet. Here in verse 7, it says, So Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. Now, of course, many of you probably know this is prophetic for Jesus accomplishes his greatest works and the the real glory of God in the action, in the accomplishment of Jesus happens outside the camp. We see those words in the New Testament and and that's all true. Just for the moment, though, I just want to point out Moses is still having his tantrum. I never saw it this way before, but this is the I'm taking my ball and going home. (laughs) He's, he's fed up with what's going on and he basically says, I'm taking my tent and I'm putting it up over here. And if y'all want to participate in the glory of God, it's going to be over here, outside the camp, far from the camp, right? Okay, this is the context. Now I'm going to continue reading, um, I think immediately in verse 12, actually a small skip. I'm going to continue reading in verse 12. And we're going to read a pretty famous conversation between Moses and God. Now, hold it in that context. This is the place that he's in. Would you, first, let me put this out there. Would you describe the place that he's in as a place of rest? (laughs) Okay, so from this place that he is, we start in verse 12, and the conversation starts. It says, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you'll send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray. So now now look with me. Do you know when when you approach God? You all know this. I know you have conversations with God. And so when we approach God to pray about something, to have a conversation with Him, there's some context setting, right? In other words, we have to come in honesty just as we are, just where we're at. Is that not where every conversation, if you want to do something real with the Lord today, you're going to bring exactly where you're actually at? And so I'm going to say what I just read, where he says, what's he doing? He's saying, see, Lord, you say... (laughs) right he's saying you say bring this people up you put this calling on my life now how many of you have a calling callings okay good if you didn't raise your hand go ahead and do it now he's got this calling and he's going you say and then he's coming up with beefs (laughs) that he has with him and yet you haven't shown me these very necessary things and notice he's looking for somebody to go with him Who's going to go with me to help with the load? Now, I want, you to, I want you to notice before I even read on that so far we are talking about carrying a load. Taking the tablets down the mountain is a load. Handling these people <laughs> is a load. Okay? Carrying loads and he's saying, who are you going to send with me to share the load? And then he said, so that's the context. That's saying, here, this is where I am, Lord. And then he says, now therefore, I pray, if I've found grace in your, in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you. So you should never use your own, any of your own life verses to preach from. <laughs> that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. Now watch this. I want to tell you something. And there's gold here for us. What we're seeing in this, mo- in this conversation is a guy who's all this narrative, all this context we've been talking about, we're seeing a guy where the narrative has led him to this point, to this conversation. And all the context that, that the Lord really just illuminated like I've never seen it before, the context for this conversation is, is Moses um, kind of doing it his own way. Now he's following instructions of the Lord. The Lord said, come up to the mountain. I'm going to do these things with you and, and so forth. And he's doing he's faithfully walking. He's doing it. But there's a lot of things he's doing his own way. And I'm just going to put out there. I'm going to make this easy. The way that he's doing it in his own way is by not doing it in the rest of God. He's carrying a load. Now I'm going to show this to you. I'm going to prove it to you. I just want you to know first. He's carrying these loads and so anger is getting the best of him. And he's not doing a very good job at the calling really because he's doing it his own way. That whole context finally brings a man to the point to where he prays If I've found grace in your sight, show me your way. He's saying, my way is not working out very well. And if we're going to go up from here, I'm going to need to know your way. We are still talking about rest. It's coming in a minute. He goes and says "That that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. Now notice something with me. He says at the beginning of this, he says, you have said that I've found grace in your sight. Now get this. He is well aware of those words spoken over his life. You say this over me, that I have grace in your sight. But then it it progresses in the conversation to where he says, show me your way so that I may know you see, hearing the words and knowing the truth of something is not the same thing. And getting, God speaking something and you getting the blessing of it, now track with me, is in knowing him and is in his ways. You will not know him more in, in any way besides him revealing and you walking with him in his ways, not your own ways. Anxiety, walking in anxiety, carrying loads that are not yours, will never be the way that you know him better and know more fully that you've found grace in his sight. Now, why is that? You know, it's just logical. You know that that grace is grace is empowerment. Grace is divine ability given to you. That's what the word means. Okay, and I've found empowerment and ability to accomplish in your sight. The world doesn't necessarily see you that way. This passage is saying the way God sees you is he gives empowerment and divine ability in God's sight. And that is found in his ways. This context has brought a man to the end of himself where he says, this isn't working out. If you're going to take us up from here, show me your ways so that I may know that I've found grace in your sight is this working okay go with me he continues to pray that's not the end of his prayer and he says and consider that this nation is your people now I gotta tell you there's probably an element of this is that is true what I'm about to say and I've even I've taught this before and I, I think I believe this there's an element where he's going and they're your people you know, he's fed up. And I believe that that's true. But now listen to me, I want to tell you, the Lord showed me there's something far deeper here. This is a man taken, taking, taking an, um, an evolutionary step in the intimacy of his relationship with God in this moment. And he says, consider that they are your people. Now what's he doing? Do you know what he's doing? He's taking the load, and putting it where it belongs. <laughs> when he was throwing those tablets down, breaking the law, and I don't mean breaking like an ordinance in the law. I mean, we're talking about, the, you can't make this up. The guy literally broke the law. <laughs> that can't be a coincidence. He was carrying loads that were loads that are not meant for a man. There's no way he could carry the load of God's chosen people and the assignment he had out in front of him. You're going to break some things if you try to do that. And so what he's doing here when he says, consider this nation as your people, this is a guy getting ready to enter into some rest. He's taken a load that was never meant to be a load borne by a man and putting it where it belongs, right back in God's hands. <laughs> in fact, do you know that the, uh, the tablets were never really intended to be carried around that way, right? <laughs> it, was a really, it was supposed to be a real temporary assignment. He was supposed to take them down the mountain and put them in the box. <laughs> that has a, a team of people that carry the box with poles and things. It's a shared It's a shared load, but really, what, what is the box? And I'm talking about the Ark of the Covenant in case you're <laughs> that box. That is the place of God's glory. Do you know that the law was never something that God ever intended? It was something that you could carry. Should I say that again? The law was never something that God intended that you would successfully carry. (laughs) It was always something, even when it was the physical picture of your spiritual reality, it was tablets that had to be very difficult to take down the mountain. And they were supposed to be put in the box. The box that had a lid where his entire plan was, what we're going to do is we're going to put the lid on it and we're going to pour the blood of Jesus on the top of it so you don't have to carry the tablets. Moses was never going to do a good job carrying those tablets. And I, believe, I just believe that story is written. Do you know he will have you carry things in your life just so that you will reach the point of realization to get to the point to where you say, I'm not meant to carry this. <laughs> do you know so often in life you don't know that you're not meant to carry something until you've carried it a while and break it? Usually with me, I break it. <laughs> and that's when I find out I would, that was a load I was never meant to carry. I needed to rush that to the box. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> 14, okay. Yeah, and consider that this nation is your people. He was taking the load off. And putting it back where it belongs. Now, you'd think maybe if you spoke to God that way, God wouldn't have a very good response with you. But I, I just think whenever we take a load, whenever we go, God, I'm having this realization. Thank you for the revelation. I am carrying something that I am not supposed to be carrying. This is your load. And you give it back. You hand it back to him. He's smiling. And you see that in the response. Um, get a load of God's response in verse 14. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Now listen to this. Do you notice that Moses was not asking for rest? <laughs> How many of you are thankful that, um, that God knows what to give you no matter what you pray? <laughs> I think it works like you know the word of God says that Jesus is interceding on our behalf and I think it works like this I think I think we pray for what we think we need you know Lord help us to pay this bill or I'm carrying a load you know we can't make the bills help me pay this or or um, my children are going astray I'm having all these problems with my kids and we pray you know Lord do this for my children and and Jesus is interceding on our behalf so he takes the prayer we say help me pay the bill and Jesus turns and says He's asking for the bill pay, um, but I want to ask you for your presence so that they can enter into the rest. And the father says, okay, grant it. And and Jesus turns and sends the spirit and says, you got it? Thank God he intercedes. That's right here in the story. Moses was not asking for rest. (laughs) He's really kind of still throwing a fit. He's just being real before God. And God's response ends up being, my presence will go with you. And I'll give you rest. So I'm just going to do this. I think one thing you can take home today that's really easy is that His presence is rest. That's a redundant statement, okay? But unfortunately, usually we need God to speak redundantly to us because because we're we're learning, we're in the journey, and if He just said, "My presence will go with you," we may not translate to that to. Oh, thank God I can rest. God's presence is with me. But you know from this whole series, it's really been winding to this that the presence of God is rest. When his presence is with us and we are, we are in that, we are wrapped in who he is. You see, not our failures, not what we're incapable of, but rather we're wrapped in, in, the present, in his presence. In who he is, we are at rest. And that's the powerful place to be. Now you've got to love verse 15, um, Moses. So, so you can almost feel, not almost, you can sense Moses changing through the course of this prayer. In verse 15 he says, then he says back to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. See, I want to tell you something. We're going to see this as we continue to read, but you see Moses changing from a guy who's mission-focused to a guy who's God-focused, to a guy who's figuring out that the, the accomplishment of any mission is going to happen in rest. The accomplishment, the, the dedication that brings about the accomplishment of a mission is a dedication to my gaze on Jesus you see it changing even as he prays this prayer. He says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't take us up from here. Well, God just said. The Lord just spoke to him and said, my presence will go and I will give you rest. And he goes on and says, now now, watch how his focus is changing. Before I even read on, let me just say, notice that a minute ago, he couldn't even handle the chosen people of God. He broke the law literally <laughs> and moved his tent in a tantrum moves his tent outside of the camp he's not doing very well you know it's not his people management skills that's keeping him moving forward or his his uh our stress management is his great ability at stress management he's not doing well he can't even keep a focus on, on the calling of managing this people, managing this thing. You know you all have something in your realm of authority. There's not a person in the building that doesn't have something that God has given you that is in the realm of your authority for you to handle. Now now listen, as I say that, what we're learning this morning is I'm saying somewhere for you to rest fully in God. He has things in the realm of your responsibility that are far beyond your capability, or it wouldn't be a calling of God's. He doesn't call us to things you're capable of. He calls you to divine things that require his presence. So it's in rest it'll be accomplished. He's not even handling the people. Now watch what happens at his calling because he's not at rest, right? He's not rested in who God is. And this is the next thing he says. He says, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? Except you go with us. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Do you notice what he did? All of a sudden, he's worried about all the rest of the people on the face of the earth. And I actually believe that he's getting towards a right mindset. He didn't pick up the weight of that. Notice that his prayer left left God's load fully in God's hands. But that is what allowed him to move his focus to having the mind of God. He was overwhelmed over, and there was a lot of people, but compared to all the people of planet Earth, he was overwhelmed by these few people. So much so he's throwing tantrums and breaking things. And in the process, of what, as he begins to find the answer to the lack of his rest, his, his gaze begins to take on, take on the mind of Christ, take, take on what God sees, which all of a sudden now he's capable He's, he's worried about and perfectly capable of all the people all over the face of the earth. <laughs> this is a guy that's growing right in front of our eyes. We're so proud of you, Moses. You're growing. <laughs> and this week, I'm just like, no wonder I've always loved this passage. It's just loaded with the bottom line of what we need. presence everything's in his presence verse 17 so the Lord said to Moses I will also do this thing that you've spoken for you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name you see we went full circle God spoke this before but Moses didn't know the reality of it but it's a guy who gets to the point where he says I want to believe what you've spoken to me so show me your way Show me your way because I want to believe what you're spoken. And so God says, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. There's my way. And it goes full circle to God repeating what he said before. Now you know, right? Now you know. What does he know? He knows that he's found grace in his sight and that God knows him by name. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. If I kept reading, you all know what happens next. It progresses to the point. It's not even about the mission anymore. In about three more sentences in this conversation, he says, show me your glory. <laughs> it's a guy who's gone from anger from breaking things and taking his ball and going home and everything else and having a, having an intimate conversation with his Lord where he ends up going, you know what? I know what I really care about. Just show me your glory and that'll be enough for me. That's all. <laughs> Just show me your glory and I'll be fine. <laughs> Anybody else? And he does it. I mean, and he does it and we could, we could teach all about that, but I'm going to move into something because I... I, I have to show you Jesus because I want to show you that Jesus says these same words. The same God, the same Lord who had this conversation with Moses says these same words in the New Testament. He does it again. Why? Because he's unchanging. The Old Testament is just a picture of your life. It's just a picture of God, what God wants to do today. <laughs> he, want, he says, He says, Hebrews chapter 3 says, be diligent to enter the rest. There's a, our part in entering into the, into the rest. Now I'm going to show you this. Go with me to um, Matthew eleven twenty five. If there's page turners, while you're turning there, I'm just going to tell you, if, if I were to back up to 20, this is where... Um, he has the whole conversation about uh, if these mighty works, he's in Galilee right now, the Galilee area, so the center of his ministry. And he's saying, if the mighty works that I'm doing now were done in, um, let me get these names right, um, Chorazin, um, I, I always find this, I should always just read it. Um, and Sidon and all these places but he's saying if if the mighty works that you are seeing were done in these places they would have turned and come into my ways that's the context now, I know you're going to know the scriptures we're about to read just next but I'm telling you this is the context for what we're about to read next in Jesus's words and do you realize that mirrors Moses's time Do you see that? If there was ever a guy who saw the mighty works of God, I mean, the plagues to deliver him from Egypt, the parting of the water, he saw these mighty works and he was still the guy that didn't quite have the assurance that the presence of God was with him on this mission. (laughs) That makes me feel at home. But that's what this conversation, um, that's the context of what we're going to read next here, okay? So starting in verse 25, It says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now look, he says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Do you know that this is this is the exact same communication. This is my presence will go with you with you and I will give you rest. Take my present the yoke, okay? Take my presence upon you and I will give you rest. Jesus's yoke is like he walks behind he has he has a hand on each side and he's carrying the load and just because it's touching we're like I am helping you. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's the same it's the same words. It's the place of the presence. <laughs> it's the place of God's glory. Now listen to me, I'm convinced that if we had A revelation. If I had, it's been my prayer this week as I've just been even getting this ready. If we had a revelation on what it means that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, the place of God's glory, there are many, many things that we do that we wouldn't do. And yeah, at least in part, I'm I'm talking about sin. I'm going to tell you something do you if If you want to steal from yourself and completely destroy your rest, the fastest road to do it is to engage in sin. <laughs> it will remove your rest faster than anything else, but I also want to tell you there's other things you know sin i don't I don't want to leave that at' just like oh the ugly and dreadful things that we think of. Sin is the failure to remove anything that is a load that doesn't, that doesn't belong to us. So I would flip that upside down and I would say if we had a revelation of God's glorious plan that we are the temple of His presence, that we are the, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and we really had a revelation on that, there are also a lot of things that we're not doing that we would be doing. And so, I mean, it's part of my prayer is Lord reveal, to, reveal this to us that we are the place of your presence because there is rest and there is power that changes our mindset like Moses has changed <laughs> from the burden of, of, what, of this little thing I can't handle here to a resting person who says, it's time to conquer the world. let's go get the rest of the people on the face of planet earth anybody want to conquer the world okay I'm going to do one more passage and that the funny thing is I felt like the Lord said he wanted to make sure everybody in the building got prayed for today today um, and we 're going to bring up ministers, so ministers start preparing your hearts because we 're going to be calling you up here to pray for people today, but um and make sure you get prayed for too. But you know my thought was, how are we going to do that i mean we' we might be here until dinner time, and I thought well that 's okay if that 's your plan we 'll do that and then I looked around here and i 'm like, oh, everybody in the building is going to get prayed for today but uh so one more. One more. Go to First Chronicles 23 and verse 25. I give you that. We read this before, and this is just going to show you, I always tell you, you know, you want to you find something that is true again and again and again, and you're finding the core of God. You're finding something you can take to the bank. Here it says, For David said, The Lord God of Israel has given rest to his people, That they may dwell in Jerusalem forever. And also to the Levites, that they shall no longer carry the tabernacle or any of the articles for its service. I'm just going to stop there. That's enough because we studied that in previous messages. But do you all remember this verse? It's always God's intention. You see, He will give you things to carry. So that you reach the point, you reach that place of rest where you have to just put your trust back on him because it's always his intention that you don't carry the load that's his. And he will have you carry it for a while just so you get to that place of dependence, that place of desperation for his presence where you put it where it belongs, where, where they shall no longer carry the tabernacle and the articles for its service. It's always God's intention that you reach a place that is grounded in the rest of the Holy Spirit. That is, that reaches a permanence of the presence of God in a sweet peace and rest where where power just flows and you don't carry a burden anymore. Jesus' yoke is light. Amen? Anybody carrying stuff you're tired of carrying? (laughs) I get there I get there far too often. <laughs> it seems like now I've grown greatly just I've, it's just seriously just in the last few weeks as God has been speaking to me and I'm going with you guys. I don't claim to have this. And I I find that throughout my life I do this over and over again. It's like I I get to where I'm carrying a load and I'm so burdened. I've gone from a walk to a crawl and and I'm not sleeping at night anymore and then I go I did it again. <laughs> I'm holding your load. <laughs> I need to give that back. <laughs> I'm not even having fun. Do You know, that's the biggest indication for me. You know, if we're, if we're disciples of Jesus going with Him doing the great things Jesus does and we're not having fun, something went wrong. <laughs> Do you know that? You're, we're carrying some kind of load that is not ours. We're worried about something that is bigger than we are. And it, it's really for you to worry about, God, because that, that's an indicator. When you quit having fun, just stop and go, uh-oh, what load am I carrying that I need to put in the box? And let's just put the lid on that <laughs> and pour the blood of Jesus right here. <laughs> Covered. And all of a sudden you find out you're having so much fun again you just can't even believe you're the one that gets to do it. Anybody know that experience? You give it back and you're having fun again. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. I, just as I prayed this morning, I think, as I said, I think everybody, I'm, you can take off running if you want. If you, I just want to put it out there. Don't be scared. We want to pray for everybody in the building. Hopefully you didn't just come here to hear me blab come here because you want God to meet you and change you in some deep place and let's let's have some prayer if you'll stay for that and this is what's on my heart I believe and it's just my belief you have to choose to join it I believe that there's an anointing here this morning for the release of burdens he's gonna do you know that you we can't even necessarily just choose I mean, something you ever tried that? Sometimes you can have a burden you've been carrying something, even maybe a calling of God or something far sillier than that. And you're carrying the burden and you're trying to give it back and it seems like you just can't get it out of your own hands, even though you know that's probably what you should do. It's still keeping you up at night or you're not getting breakthrough on it. Anybody else done that? Okay. I believe there's an anointing for for. Um, miraculous things to happen this morning. I really do. I believe it. I believe that God is going to take burdens. He's going to grant the easy yoke. He's going to take burdens and let us hand it off into his hands. And I believe there's two categories that he wants to minister. The first one is is sin, okay? The first one is, I believe there are some here where what the Lord is going to lay on your heart Is is a besetting sin, and it may not even it doesn't have to be one of the dark, ugly categories. Just something that is that is not honoring, something that is hindering the great things that he wants to release in your life because you're doing it your way instead of his. That's what I'm talking about, sin. Okay, and I believe that he wants to release that, and he is so ready. He's just going to take that. We're going to have ministers up here, and you just come on up. They're going to pray a prayer of repentance with you and God's ready to take it, okay? That's the first one. And the second one, I believe there, I would be surprised if there's someone in the building who doesn't have some area like this. I want to talk to you later (laughs) how you did that. But he wants to take burdens, that you've been carrying, that you're weighed down by, and he's totally ready to accept it in his hands. And it's, it's actually going to work because there's an anointing here. I just believe this. There's an anointing where he's going to take the burden back. He's going to take the burden that you've been carrying and give you the easy yoke. Do you all believe this with me? Okay, let me just start us in prayer first, and then we'll have you all come up in just a minute. I'm just going to pray for this time. Worship team's going to come up, so we have a little privacy, and then I'll call the ministers up. And, and Father God, I thank you <laughs> for your goodness to us. I thank you that you know what to give us, no matter what we pray. I thank you that it's always your intention to bring us into deeper rest. I thank you that it was never your idea for us to carry the burden of your law. And I pray for a release of religiousness and the burden of law over lives right now in the authority of your name, Jesus. And we ask, we say, come Holy Spirit. Come in in a mighty presence to accomplish things in people's lives right now. We believe you for this. We ask that you will release sins and just just take that hindering sin away so it no longer hinders. We believe you for that. And for those that come for the release of burdens, good holy burdens, but ones that were always supposed to be yours, it was always your weight and not theirs, we ask, Lord, for a a miracle in hearts that you would release those burdens back into your hands where they belong. In the name of Jesus okay ministers come on up come up quickly you know who you are and there's oil there's anointing oil up here should the Holy Spirit move you to anoint that's here and church let me just say I would not miss out on this I'm going to get my prayer this morning (laughs) I would not miss out on this but at this point we we really are dismissed if somebody feels like they they need to go um, you can But um, I'm not going to come back up here. We're just going to pray until the praying is finished. (laughs) Until, Until we've prayed everything the Lord puts on our heart to pray. And ministers, I'll just remind you, pray with all the authority of God. When they come for release of sin, pray that authoritative release, that repentance prayer that says it's finished. It's in the box with the lid on it and the blood's poured over. You can't even get back in that box. And for burdens that need to be released, just pray in authority of Jesus' name over it that this burden is being put in God's hands where it belongs. And there's going to be a new power and freedom and rest as you walk with that thing and you watch God take care of it. Can we do that?